Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. We just wrapped up a pretty fun day of uh, Champions League, and now we look ahead to the wonderful world of the Premier League and beyond. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on every single Premier League match coming this weekend, our last weekend before an international break. Then after we go through those 10 matches, we'll touch on Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, uh, give out a three-leg underdog parlay. This one comes out at a robust 155 to 1, uh, and then give out our, our favorite bets for the upcoming match week in the Premier League. But before we do all of that, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with promo code ACTION, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older, and you must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia, and if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, fun week of Premier League soccer to, to look ahead to here. We'll start on this on Sunday, the 11.30 a.m. kickoff between Chelsea, Red Hot Chelsea, uh, we were trying to tell Anthony that the Spurs team was punching above its weight all season long and that that their reckoning was coming and it could be coming through via Chelsea or a team like that. And he said, no, no, no. 
but uh, he, he, he learned the hard way uh, when Chelsea paced its Spurs 4-1. The Blues now host the Sky Blues, Man City. Chelsea's plus 400 at Stamford Bridge City, minus 134, an odds-on road favorite. The draw is plus 260. Anthony, you and I are on the same page here. I think that this is a decent spot uh, to look at the underdog. Yeah, so the market has moved in the last 12 hours. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. It's a good thing we're not recording it Wednesday right after the kickoff of the games because I was uh, shaking violently during the Champions League today. Uh, what an epic sweat on some of those late games. Copenhagen forever. But uh, as far as this game goes, you know, red cards again. Just every big match this season, the Premier League, there's there's just red cards, and we never learn anything. We got like 20 good minutes of soccer, and then chaos ensued. There were two red cards, three goals chalked off, uh, another red card review that could have been won. You know, it was an, an absurd contest. Uh, you know, Chelsea finished with four XG, and you have to, you know, of course, weight it down with Spurs playing a, a high line at the halfway line down to nine men. But I do think that if you go back and watch, you know, kind of how that match played out, there was only really one chance created at 11 on 11. And it was the clear scoring opportunity for Nico Jackson. And I think there is something to be said for Chelsea being much better when they don't have to try to break down a low block and they get to play on the break a little more just because of how their talent is suited. When you think of like Mudrick and Jackson and Sterling, these are players who are good running into space more than they are good breaking down technically with precise passing. And you saw that with Jackson, I thought. Uh, so, you know, do they get enough time on the ball in the midfield to exploit City here? What kind of approach does Pep take? We've seen, you know, Guardiola kind of tweak with lineups here and and mix and match. Jeremy Doku has been dynamite for them. He was excellent in the match against Young Boys on Tuesday. He was also great uh, over the weekend in their demolition of Bournemouth. So, you know, it seems that City has figured some things out here, as we expected they would not overreact to just a little bit of a blip that they had. But uh, from a numbers perspective, I, I only make City minus 112 here. So I do think they're a little bit short, but now that the market has come down, right, went from minus 155 all the way down to minus 125, 130 now at most books, uh, I don't have enough for me to go to Chelsea here. So uh, I'm going to be passing unless it gets back up to that three quarters of a goal. I kind of need the three quarters uh, because I, I have um, – City as a you know close enough favorite once you take out the vig that it's not really a plus bet for me to make either side and I, I think that you know Chelsea is clearly trending up and like I said the defensive press was really good against Spurs before the Reds but not quite good enough of a number yet so I will be passing at this number uh, yeah I, I think Chelsea on on the money line is worth a look and um, I don't think it's going to shorten too much more I think the the only other direction this line moves is towards. City, the money comes comes in on Chelsea, and then we'll we'll see when the resistance comes from the market to push it back up. But, uh, like we've known, kind of throughout this whole season that Chelsea, their their main bugaboo, like the the process looks fine, just that they don't score, which is a pretty important thing in in soccer. Um, and uh, if they do figure it out, like and. The game got wonky with Spurs, obviously, but if they do figure it out or they have their their scoring boots on, they they can play with anybody in 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 any league. That the inverse of that is that they can lose to anyone if they don't have them on. Um, but the underlying numbers look good enough here that I'm I'm willing to take a shot that that maybe this Chelsea team goes into the the international break pretty hot, and uh, I will uh, 
I haven't really bet against City on the money line much this season. So something I did to, to just great success last year. Uh, I'm, I'm probably gonna gonna hop on with uh, Chelsea here, BJ. Yeah, I agree. I'll make it three for three. Um, I think the match against Arsenal, in my opinion, is the best that Chelsea has looked out of possession against a good build-up team. I thought they did a great job of disrupting Arsenal's build-up play, forced a lot of high turnovers in that match. And what Pochettino did is he didn't really play a lot of strikers. He you know, played more of wingers, midfielders, and played a 4-4-2. And essentially just said, okay, we're not going to have the ball in this match, so let's just try play out of possession, play in transition, and force those high turnovers. And it worked. And they were, for large stretches of the match, the better team. The biggest thing for me is, Anthony mentioned with Doku and Grealish right now, they are just cooking guys in 1v1 situations because obviously City loves to overload the middle of the pitch. They get those guys in one-on-ones. They can beat their defenders and create chances out wide. Chelsea against Tottenham started Levi Colwell and Reese James. Those are two really good defenders in wide areas who can give Doku and Grealish some problems. So I think Chelsea's plan, and obviously having Enzo Fernandez and Caicedo in the middle of the pitch, helps when you're trying to face a team that wants to play through the middle. So I think the defensive setup for Chelsea can give City a lot of problems. Now, City out of possession is kind of interesting because they're actually being a lot more passive this season than they have been in years past. They're 12th in pass per defensive action right now. 12th in opponent buildup completion percentage allowed, 8th in high turnovers. Like That's not what we're used to seeing from City. Yes, they've pressed some of the bad teams and forced them. But if we look through City, yes, they've looked great the last four matches. 15 goals. They're just they're cooking all of these bad teams. But the two matches before those four were against Brighton and against Arsenal, which they, against Brighton, they scored early twice, and then for the second half, they got outplayed. And against Arsenal, it was a very even match with just not a lot happening. But... City only took four shots in that Arsenal match. So uh, this is a a spot that I think it's 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 a decent spot to fade them. I'm with Anthony. I have City at plus 101. So decent edge on Chelsea, plus a half at plus 110. I would like to see plus 115 for a little bit more juice. But, I mean, listen, Chelsea's played three big six sides this season, plus Brighton in the League Cup. They haven't lost any of those matches. So they they clearly are good enough to hang with City here. So... Uh, yeah, Chelsea plus a half if it gets to plus 115 for me. Yeah, that's the thing, right? If you were to say what were the whole season, all in all, what were Chelsea's three best games? You'd probably say opening yep. day Liverpool. You'd probably say Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And then you'd probably, I mean, a League Cup is so corny, but yeah, you'd either say Fulham or you'd say Spurs. But I mean, Spurs was also kind of fluky, but like they had taken control of that game after the deflected goal. Yeah. So there is something to be said for the fact that you played your three best games against three of the toughest teams you're going to play all year, three of the teams that will hold the most possession against you. Uh, and I think that's worth something when when you see how this Chelsea team plays. So we're getting close to the Chris and Kunku return. They're thinking mm-hmm. December for him. So he may be back for the festive period. That would be a fascinating mm-hmm experience going forward and, and it might be uh might be really interesting all right uh wolverhampton and tip top tottenham next uh wolves plus 225 at home spurs plus 115 road favorite uh and the draws plus 260 these odds obviously are from our friends at bet 365 uh BJ, I, I, I got nothing here. I, I, I want to talk about what happened during the Chelsea Tottenham match with the market because it's maybe one of the most insane things I've ever seen uh, since I've been betting soccer. So, obviously, 
Madison, or excuse me, the Romero red card happens. So he's out for the next match. And then simultaneously, Madison goes down and then Van Deven pulls up with looks like going to be a long-term injury of his hamstring. And I was watching the market. I know Anthony was too. And I was trying to bet Wolves plus one. And I had it up there and it was because Tottenham was minus 150 coming into the match uh, over against Wolves. And which was too high to begin with. Which was too high to begin with. And Tottenham crashed all the way down to one point at plus, just plus 120 on the money line. They moved 70 cents in the matter of maybe like 15 minutes. It was one of the most insane things I've seen since I've been betting soccer. Um, so the point of it is that I think this is an opportunity to maybe pass or potentially buy low on Tottenham. Uh, we're going to see a makeshift back line, obviously with no Romero and no Van de Ven, which is concerning. But again, Wolves doesn't have Pedro Neto. So uh, that's also concerning because it, now, listen, Wolves can play good in transition if Tottenham wants to play a high line. That's the concern here for Tottenham. But it does look like James Madison might play in this match, which Tottenham's attack would still be pretty much full strength. So going up against a Wolves defense that has largely been below average this season, the price on Tottenham may have gone a little bit too far. Um, we're not there yet. You know, if this closes, you know, somewhere around plus 2025, plus 130, maybe I'll hop back in on, on Tottenham and just try to, you know, break even in this match but yeah I, I think the value has gone on them from what happened in that match but this is a good match if you're somebody who's like you know i understand it's the standalone 7 30 a.m match but it is a really good match to just watch Sleep and in. learn of what tottenham's gonna be like without these two center backs honestly because with the romero red card that's gonna be three matches and van Deven's gonna be out for a long time so i'm gonna watch and i'm gonna learn and i'm gonna see what tottenham is like when they're full strength without their two main center backs yeah, we're expecting a Van de Ven update Thursday from Mr. Postacoglu. Uh, not sure about that yet. He has not, uh, nothing's been reported, but yeah, you figure that's at least a month. So, you know, the system that I so I waxed poetically about last week, <clears throat> where I said, well, yeah, they're playing this high line, but look at how good they've improved the defense with Romero, Van de Ven, and Udogi. <clears throat> well, all three of them will not be playing in this match. Uh, Dyer and Hoiberg, like, <laughs> it's Ben Davies, maybe Ben Davies. I, yeah. So, you know, it's just not as, it's not as youthful. It's not as athletic. It's not as dynamic. Uh, there's not as much ball winning. So I think there's some real questions about, you know, the biggest question we have with Spurs and we said, look, like they have this advantage. They're not in Europe. They're playing one match a week for the rest of the season. They have no depth. And now the lack of depth is glaring because they had like four injuries slash red card suspensions in a week. So, you know, we'll see with matters. If he's out, like, it gets really thin with this attack because Richarlison is now out. Uh, Brennan Johnson has been okay. Kulisevsky is not going to give you a ton of shots. So it really starts to get, like, this is an average Premier League team, and an average Premier League team should be plus 120 on the road at Wolves. So I think the market's right now, but you're never going to see those those minus money prices and uh, – yeah, you know, like that look ahead line was too high anyway. I would have been on Wolves for full strength Spurs too. So uh, I think Wolves, you know, they didn't play as well. They weren't as clinical, maybe, but they still created a good number of chances against Sheffield. They just didn't finish them. And then they got, you know, VARD um, or penaltied in stoppage time. And they gave up two shots in the first 80 minutes, one of which was the goal from 30 yards out. Like they didn't, I didn't think they played bad against Sheffield. 
So I, I don't really downgrade them from that loss. It's a fun game for us. Uh, Arsenal now laying minus 500 uh, yeah. at home yep. to Burnley. 16 to 1. The draw it's is Burnley. plus 550. Almost pitched a shutout today. Yeah. They have been, they've been doing that. One, one, one shot for Sevilla. At the very end. In stoppage time from outside the box. It's maybe like, you know, this defense is actually really good and maybe we're just not focusing on that. There are, no, this we, I don't think well, we ever... I, I'm I don't think we... Yeah, I don't think we, we... We did c- criticize the defense at the end of last year when they started to be yeah, bad. Yeah, terrible without the um, dive. You're just asking way too much of a team that doesn't score enough, generate enough mm-hmm. at these kind of numbers. So it's... it's but, but honestly, okay, I... I I, I understand that point, but Burnley's style of play yeah. leaves them extremely vulnerable yeah. and open to get absolutely waxed in this match. That, yeah, I was just about to I say, like they, 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 playing, I agree. They, I have no interest. Yeah, in they dog stink here. as a. No. I, I, if they're, you, if you would so like, bad. just given me, if giving me Luton down at this number, be like, I'd be pumped. I'd be a, sure. yeah, you know. But Burnley are kamikaze, so I don't, I don't want to yeah. bet that kind of underdog. I will bet almost any underdog. I've been betting the San Jose Sharks. Uh, <laughs> They won, they won last they did. They did. Um, and I, I will say this. Uh, if you do li- like hockey and you want to listen to a, uh, our betting podcast called <laughs> Line Change, you should. We, we Tomorrow's Sharks-Oilers game is the, one of the betting events of the season in terms of same-game parlays and stuff like that. But uh, I digress. Um, you, if, if a team's going to play Arsenal like in a stoic, pragmatic way, they become very, very interesting as an underdog at these prices. If they're gonna play like they're like they are Arsenal, yeah, like they're Barcelona, two thousand and six. <laughs> like I don't, who's who's the Lionel Messi at Burnley? Like what is going on here? Uh, I'm Dooney's decent. I'm Dooney, yeah, putting up some okay numbers every once yeah, in a he's, while. He's he's the, he's the difference maker here. Just get the get the ball on his feet. He can beat Arsenal on his own. No interest. Uh, I have some interest. Um, it's one of my favorite bets. So I'm just gonna bet it here. I did it last week and it worked. Both teams score no minus 150. I don't see how Burnley scores here. I really don't. I mean, I talked about it last week. They are averaging 0.87 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes. If it wasn't for Sheffield United, that'd be the worst in the Premier League. And given their style of play, their build out of the back, pragmatic, try to play the ball through the lines, that's not going to work against one of the best out of possession and pressing teams in the entire world. And the problem with Burnley is they don't know how to play another way. This is the only way they know how to play. And it's very, very clear that, especially out of possession, that they are set up to high press and try to cause turnovers. But they're not good at doing it. They're 12th in passes per defensive action, uh, 14th in high turnovers. Like, for a team that's going to press with the front four, that's, that's terrible. Plus, Arsenal, defensively, is maybe the best team in the world right now. They are so, so good. And if you look at their last three matches, Sheffield United took took two shots, combined 0.03 XG. Newcastle, if it wasn't for the controversial Gordon tap-in, Newcastle would have created... Not a goal. It would, if it was not a goal... Not, not a goal. Newcastle would have... been coaching for 20 years and it was not a goal. It would have created point. Four six expected goals at home, and then in, like Anthony mentioned today against Sevilla, one shot in stoppage time. That is a grand total 
Essentially, if you take away the Gordon goal, that's essentially half an expected goal in their last three matches. That is an incredibly impressive mark. And this defense just doesn't allow you to get out in transition. If you you can't build up through them because they're too good at pressing. And they're still good on set pieces too, which Burnley's not great at those either. Burnley, okay, here's the trivia question for you guys. Burnley scored three goals away from home this season. Two of them came against Luton Town. Who did the other goal come against? City. No, that city was at home. Yep. Bournemouth is, is Bournemouth. the answer to that question. Um, Burnley also hasn't, they've, they've played all the big six teams at home. They haven't played on the road this season at a big six club. They, when they went to Newcastle, they got stomped. So I I really don't see how they score. Now, as for Arsenal, no Odegaard is concerning right now. He's uh, a very, very big gap in the middle of the pitch. Everts hasn't really been able to solidify that role very well. Um, it's been just a lot of Saka and Martinelli out wide. Um, I thought Arsenal offensively looked good today. They actually tried to play through the middle of the pitch, which was an encouraging sign. Um, but this could get really out of hand if Burnley just keeps trying to press and keeps trying to build out of the back and continues to turn the ball over. So both teams to score no, minus 150, uh, projected at minus 184. Uh, one of the biggest edges I have on this slate. We haven't had enough of those from BJ this year. I know. Because La Liga became a yeah, high-scoring they... league again. I know. It's unfortunate. Um. You know who I think Burnley is going to be live against? Everton. Uh, Whoa, Everton just pumped them in the League yeah, Cup. Yeah, I know, but that's the League Cup. I think that... Burnley took one shot in that match, It's, it's the League Cup. Everton is live against everybody because they're yep, really Yeah, well, we'll talk about them right now, actually. <laughs> uh, Palace, plus 140, hosting tip-top Everton. Plus 200, coming off a 1-1 draw against Brighton. Uh yeah, they the did. goals. They didn't. I mean, nobody nobody comes to Goodison Park and out, outplays this this Everton team. At some point, we're gonna have to do the Charles Barkley meme dialogue about Bar Brighton. Maybe we'll save that when they play a good team again. But no, it's yeah, no. Well, we, um, I like Everton here as a as a two to one uh, dog on the road. We love betting Crystal Palace as a underdog. Not wholly interested in, in them as a as a favorite even at home. And like this this game can go in a lot of different directions i think you've got one team that is much more pragmatic in, in crystal palace but at home like they should be and against a team like everton they should be a little more swashbuckling to borrow a phrase from uh our friends overseas and that should play into to everton's hands but as anthony just said like everton is just playing really well so uh I think that they're a better team than Crystal Palace right now, especially with the injuries. Uh, Everton's been healthy for a few weeks now, and Ducore might be hurt. Didn't seem like a big deal, but even so, like they've got enough bodies in the midfield in the middle of the park that I think you uh, they'll be able to survive that one. Uh, what do you think, BJ? I think I'm going to pass, and I think we need to talk about what Sean Dyche has been doing the last few matches. I understand they went up on Brighton early. And they played very, very low, very, very defensive. And it worked for pretty much the entire match. But even the match before Same, that against yeah. West Ham, it was a very relatively boring match. They didn't really do their normal high pressing. And if we can go back further, obviously against Liverpool, they got the red card and uh, basically had to defend for their lives the entire match. But so is Dyche going back on his old ways? No, I think he's um, just he very adaptable. High, he high pressing? He's, a, he's an adaptable manager. Like he's 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 one Here's of the few thing. I think that goes into yeah every like each match and is happy to 
tinker. No, I think I think there's absolutely a little bit of that. I think I think the difference now, and it's kind of weird, right? Because we we talked about Everton in the early season. We were like, well, the attackers stink, but they're still creating a lot of chances because they're so open. They're forcing more people forward because the attackers stink. And then the good ones came in. And now Dice is saying, well, we don't have to attack with as many people now because the ones we are attacking with are better. And thus we're not doing as much attacking. And we're still kind of squeaking by. Like, you know, they 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 pressed Brighton early in the game, but then very much sat off, sat deep in the entire match. This is the kind of match where like I don't really love a pregame side, but I think either side goes up a goal. You gotta look for like a live under. Because yeah. Palace can shut it down and 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 make it really hard on Everton, who s- still, even with the way they play, is very root one, prefers to have the other team have the ball. And Palace says, "Go ahead, have the ball. Do d- challenge you to break us down." And Everton on the on the opposite front, like we now have a couple of games where when they do take the lead, they are sitting off a lot and not really committing numbers to you know creating those high turnovers. And they're not a build up possession team at all. No. So. If they start every possession in their own half, it's hard for them to score. They need those high turnovers to create chances. So, uh, yeah, I think this is like, from a pregame perspective, I have I have Everton above Palace now. I have Everton as the 11th best team in the Premier League, uh, which is above Palace. But I think the line's kind of right with Palace at home here. Eze's back. So that's encouraging for their attack. Like, they, you know, they're going to have somebody to carry the ball forward. But... Uh, I don't really think this is a great, like the under two and a half is super juiced. So like if you get like an early goal and you can get a three juiced, love it. Uh, don't really see how this game becomes particularly open because yeah. I, I really think whoever does get the lead, their defense either by numbers or by talent is good enough to to kind of grind this game. So I don't really see a ton of scoring. If you're an older listener to Wonder Goal, um, we're happy. First of all, we're happy to have you. And if you're a fan of old school tactics, this is the match for you. None of this, none of this new school, high pressing, high possession, build up structure. Just route one, play the ball long. Let's win some duels in the middle of the pitch, and that's what you're going to see pretty much for all ninety minutes. So, this definitely, I agree with Anthony. Live under is the the only way to play it. All right, time for the game of the week. I am so excited to bet Luton Town against Manchester United. <laughs> United minus three hundred at home. Uh, the Hatters coming in at eight to one, and the draws plus four twenty five. I think there's a couple of ways here that United loses this match. One, they're not very good. They're not good defensively. Uh, two, Seems yeah, like and, but like so that's their, like the the actual play, on-field play. Number two is got kind of a lame duck coach situation, lame duck manager. A lot of times in other sports, will you, you'll see teams kind of uh, lose the plot a little bit as situations like this arise. Play their manager out, and it's so toxic. I would, I would, if I'm Man United, I would much rather this game be at Kenilworth Road, or played in Riyadh or in, in Boca Raton or something. Because the last place on the planet I'd want to be on Saturday is at Old Trafford. They're gonna get booed as they come out. If they were pl- if they were playing hockey in Canada, there'd be a jersey on the ice. Like this is so bad. And Luton Town's buoyant right now. Like they've been decent for relative to their expectations. They're coming off maybe their most impressive performance in in the history of the club a 1-1 draw against Liverpool in which they were uh relatively unlucky to not get out of there with three points because it was a classic late winner for or late equalizer wow. for for Liverpool that, that's what yeah. I put it when you looked <laughs> Darwin Nunez would, would would disagree with that statement anyways 
the point is, I say this a lot. Who on earth is betting Manchester United at this number? <laughs> well, it did come down a lot. As today. it should. It did. I wanted to bet. I wanted to bet Luton, but then it came really far down, and yeah. I'm like, "Well, it's a flat one and a half." Now, that being said, uh, how many matches do you think United's won by multiple I, so goals? I in was the league this d- digging into this. I did an article on the New York Post uh, for their match against Copenhagen. They they beat Crystal Palace by three in the EFL Cup. They beat it was a reserve yeah, team and it was Palace. they they beat Burnley by one, Sheffield United by one, Brentford by one. Fulham by one, Copenhagen by one, it it's Forest, Forest by, by one. one. It's it's by the slimmest. Like this is an exaggeration, but couple bad bounces for this team, and <laughs> they're in. They've gotten every. Yeah, they're bounce. in fifteenth place. Like uh, you, take away two of those wins, take away two of those wins, well, and give them draws, and they're uh, they're on fourteen points, or and they're at you know in thirteenth place in the league right now, and. Uh, you know, and no one's gonna, no one's in relegation trouble outside of you know the, 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 the those four teams that we know. But this is such an unimpressive team right now, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna quit on their manager. Here's if the soccer thing. matches were only Go ahead. ninety minutes, they would have. They would have lost to Sheffield five five less points. Yeah. The, they got the draw. They would have lost, they would have tied yeah, Fulham, Sheffield. They would have tied Fulham and they would have lost to Brentford. Yeah, Brentford. I'm not Sheffield. So, yeah, Brentford, I mean. They would have tied Sheffield. Yeah. It's they would have now to be fair, they would have tied Arsenal as well. That's true. So give a little bright spot there to United. But that might have been their best performance of the season. But yeah, no, I mean essentially first, if you're yeah. laying United minus one and a half here, you're asking them to do something they have not done all season long, which is beat a Premier League team in a Premier League match by multiple goals. Without Casemiro, without Luke Shaw, without Lissandra Martinez, without now Johnny Evans is out as well. Um, Imagine saying that was. A I know, but I'm like, okay, well, it's though. now like, it's know, just you, you yeah. Not a man, but you're up two goals. Exactly. It's completely capitulated, and, and, and that's my, the problem. This is my point. Like, good, it's, they're not good out of possession. It's 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 not even just the like the numbers are bad, but it's it's a perfect storm of the numbers are bad and the team just. You know, eye test, sniff test, whatever you want to call it. There's no backbone here, and how how do they I, they I'll run say, away? They they scored what in the third minute today? And I'll be honest, up until the red card, they, they actually played all right, really, yeah. really good. They were moving the ball very very well. It was a lot of quick passes. They were moving the ball between the lines, like it would actually looked like the best version of what Ten Hag wanted them to play. And then a red card happened, and they just completely fell apart. It's like it was just like they went down like three men instead of one. It was crazy. By the way, we got an we got an opening line for the return trip to hell <laughs> without Marcus Rashford in three weeks. You want to guess what United is on the money line for that match at one book to put it up? They are they are they a road favorite? They are. Oh my god! Even yeah, money like plus one ten. What? Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. But like Michael anyway. said, I mean, if Ben yeah, Hogg's so, fired, we might have to just yeah, throw out the numbers and, and bet them. My, I already bet Galatasaray. If you follow me in the app, then you know my. Uh, my, this this is a manager managing for his job. Like they lose to Luton, he's stunned. It's the international break, perfect time to just cut ties, bring in Big Sam for the rest of the season, keep him up, and <laughs> go from there. <laughs> give it, give it to Sam for the rest of the year. Um, it's such, it's such a mess and such a good opportunity, I think, to to sprinkle a, a big money line. I, and I know it's moved, but up the Hatters, man, this is this yeah. is such a good spot one, to try to pick at one these last bones. Thing. One last thing I'll say. Manchester United 
if you just strictly looked at expected points, <laughs> they have overperformed better than any more than any team in the Premier League this season. And what has it got them? Eighth place. Like that's how bad it is right now. They should be in the bottom half of the table, but because of some late luck, essentially, they are somehow sitting in eighth place. Would you look at that? I just got a notification in the award-winning Action Network app that BJ Cunningham is. Well, I didn't realize we had opened yet. <laughs> plus a half. Yep. Against Manchester United. Yep. It's crazy line. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to Bournemouth and Newcastle now. Uh, the Cherries at home, four to one. Newcastle traveling at minus one fifty. The draw is three to one. Um, not a good showing for our boys uh, from. Saudi Arabia over uh, over the midweek going no. to Dortmund and losing pretty pretty. That was that was the thing, right? We talked about it. We were like, well, like eh, they might rotate and they might be dead because they played a war on Saturday. Every everybody's hurt and they were dead. Yep, Hand yeah, up. that was a terrible. Bet. Yeah, Bruno suspended yeah. here. He got a yellow card accumulation, so he's down. Dan Burns going to be out like, a while. Who's, who with Ishak and Wilson? The Callum Wilson's gone. Well, Ishak's gone. Wilson right, is he? I thought. I thought. Uh, well, he's like da- like at least a doubt. Um, right. So, I don't know. There's the market's come down pretty hard here, and I don't play. I mean, you have. I mean, they ran out yeah. of players here. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't think Bournemouth is out of control uh, to play him. I, I am not going to. But it's the it's the worst matchup possible for Bournemouth. Yeah. Though. <laughs> like, I understand Newcastle has nobody. in the hamstring for Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand they have nobody, but it's the worst possible matchup that Bournemouth could have in the Premier League against really anybody, like outside of at home though. And again, like the Newcastle legs, like the press doesn't work as well if everybody's dead. But they're they're playing off though a little bit. They're not pressing as high anymore. They're playing this four five one and being more passive so that they can get through this grueling schedule. But yeah, um, if you. If you're someone who follows my projections, I'm projecting like so much value on Newcastle. I haven't adjusted it for injuries yet. So um, I would not bet that at its current number. Um, the only thing I would look at here, but if Wilson's out, I don't know if I can bet it would maybe be over three. Um, just Who's sco- who? Anthony Gordon. Get it Get it to playing. Anthony Gordon. Gordon Almiron and probably Joe Willick would be my guess. That's not a lot Alan, of shots. Alan nope. Shearer. <laughs> and you're not getting the Bruno ball winning. You're not getting the Bruno ball progression. Which like, gives Sean Longstaff is on the ball a lot, and like Bournemouth could press him. Yep. And it's some turnovers, and and I mean maybe over. Feels like Newcastle gets picked off, maybe, but the line did come down yeah. a lot, so you know, it's the same price they were against Wolves yep. like two weeks ago. That was what two two. That's a, yeah, pretty even game. Villa and Fulham. Uh, Villa's minus one seventy five, hosting the Cottagers, coming in at plus four fifty. Uh, and the draw here is plus three twenty. Uh, I'm just gonna. I think I'm. My New Year's resolution uh, is gonna be to, to pretend that Aston Villa uh, doesn't exist. Uh, so I'm gonna be passing here, PJ. Why is that? I just can't get them right. I don't think yeah. I've won a bet on them in. You got it last week. You got the trees, right? The trees, yeah. But I, I like. That's true. That's the first time I ever won. Uh, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about Aston Villa. That's the first time I I pulled up my numbers on on them and. Um... This is the second time I beat Villa all year, and the only other one was the EFL Cup when yeah. Everton beat them. <laughs> um, and, and I don't even know if I, I, I want to count the trees because we had them in the, in another heartbreaking, money line, 
our underdog money line parlay that that yep. Anthony was like Sheffield United is already dead, and the real the real killer <laughs> was that Dortmund didn't even get off the bus against Bayern. Um, yeah, I, again, we had that wonderful moment, the 90th minute penalty yeah. or 99th minute penalty. We're all spoiled. celebrating. I didn't even get a chance then, to watch the. I, I didn't even get to watch half, chance to watch Bayern pod. and Dortmund because by the time I was getting ready to get settled in and watch and have a nice sweat, Anthony's team already had puked all over themselves. Anyways, yeah, nothing for me here, villain Fulham. But Anthony, you have a play though. Yeah, I grabbed some under three, minus 125. It has moved up a little bit, uh, so it's like minus 135-ish now. Uh, just continue to think that these Fulham totals are getting crazy, uh, and they're not warranted to be this high. Uh, you know, they, they played United in a game that was so open, but the attacking quality was so bad that they only got to 1.7 expected goals. There was a lot of opportunities in transition there at, at the Craven Cottage, uh, but Fulham has been considerably more uh, passive away from home. And that's what I've noticed. I thought they were very defensive against Brighton and Spurs in those matches. Again, two games totaled at three that ended under three, ended with two goals each in those two games. Even their game against Chelsea, there was one really bad error uh, deep in their own territory, but again, like stayed under and there just isn't enough goal production in this team right now. Like they're, they're kind of scrambling to find who the striker is going to be. And no, none of their options are working. Like, so they, they bring in this kid, Rodrigo Muniz, and he's 22, and his shot numbers were not very good thus far. 0.25 xG in in you know two nineties. Uh, he comes from you know the, the championship. He had an okay season at Middlesbrough, but like this guy has not ever put up good enough numbers for me to trust him in any kind of sample to think that he's just going to walk into a prem team and be a competitive quality striker. So I'm not really buying this situation with Muniz and the the production around him, like we've talked about it, it's reliant on Willian and, and, you know, Bobby Reed. And it's like, these guys are, you know, well past their primes at this point. So, you know, how long do we expect them to keep that up? Not very long. So the result is that, you know, Villa, their home and away splits are so different, but one problem that Fulham has had has been playing through pressure this year. They have had some bad giveaways, and they're just not going to have that problem against a Villa team that doesn't really press. So as a result, I think uh, I think this game plays out a little bit flat. I think the Villa numbers are generally inflated. Like The fact that they were priced at the same total as Spurs and Fulham is crazy to me, given that I think Villa's de- attack is just not as good as Spurs. So uh, I like the under here. I think it's too high. Okay. Our friends at Brighton are struggling right now, but they are still a robust minus 400 favorite, and that's because they are playing Sheffield mm-hmm. United. Uh, tip of the cap to the Blades for their performance last week. It feels like months ago. Uh, 12 to 1 on the money line for a two uh, to back the Blades to go on a, a two match winning streak here. Uh, and the draw is plus 450. You alluded to it before uh, that Brighton looks a little suspicious i guess uh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, none of us have a bet here so we can keep... aren't pressing them anymore that's the problem they're just playing low blocks yeah. and brighton hasn't been able to figure it out secrets out the secrets out on how to play deserve i think it's because just he's like... trying to keep it vanilla um and not give away his secrets because he knows that eric ten Hag is about to be kicked to the curb after they lose to luton and he's why would he go to united 
don't know. It's, it's just well, a, be one of the dumbest. Yeah. Um, but like, what I if, that's what reason. all these managers do. You know. I know. Think of, like, that's why would Graham Potter go to Chelsea when a that sociopath took it over and uh nothing here. Who knows? Anyth- um yeah, nothing yeah, nothing here. Brighton's kind of struggling to break down low blocks. The one thing I will say, and it's crazy enough to to say this right now, but Brighton unders might be might be coming in here in the next few matches. If you look through their last few, finally, I know against I got that one. I, I know said never against, again. For a while. Well, to be honest, Anthony, combined, there hasn't been over two point five xG created in their last four matches. One point six with City, one point five with Ajax. 2.1 against Fulham, and then a robust 1.2 against Everton. Now they play Ajax on Thursday uh, in Amsterdam, so that'll be a very interesting litmus test because Ajax is in cl- completely desperate right now, um, and they're going to have to play aggressive. So that will be a very, very interesting match to watch. But, it, you know, a Sheffield United team that's going to play a low block who's not very effective in doing so, this will be a good litmus test for how good Brighton is at doing that because... Brighton's next match is on the road against Nottingham Forest. So if they are not able to effectively break down the Sheffield United low block and create a lot of chances, it should not give you much hope when they go on the road to face Nottingham Forest uh, after the international break. So this is a pass, but if you're somebody who is like enjoys tactics or, or trying to figure things out, watch how Brighton tries to break down this low block. And if they're not effective in doing so, it's just another problem that we're going to have to write down and, and maybe we can put, start playing some unders because they do have Forest, Chelsea, Brentford coming up in the Premier League after the international break. Okay. Yeah, I would lean toward the goals here, but like 146, uh, 140, minus 140 to lay a goal and a half. Like, no thanks. Uh, just a reminder, this will be our last episode before the international break. And then when the international break gets back, it's time for the busy busy festive fixtures uh things will get mm-hmm. quite crazy around these parts um and that also means the holiday season is right around the corner and that means it's time to get busy but don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself and that's where our friends at caldera lab come in one minute in the morning and one minute at night can be all the difference you need to achieve clearer skin and a better feeling about yourself, better self-esteem as you go into the holidays. These guys, Caldera Lab, are the best in the skincare game right now. They have an easy routine to keep your face looking fresh no matter your schedule. It's just three steps. One, the clean slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. Two, the base layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And number three is the good. It's an eye serum that you can put on at night to help your skin look tighter and smoother. Plus, and what's a better gift than clear skin? A little bit of a discount for clear skin. So when you join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self this holiday, you can use our exclusive deal if you use the code GOAL at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code GOAL, G-O-A-L, at calderalab.com. Make unforgettable impressions this holiday season with Caldera Lab. Two more matches to go. Fun one here, Liverpool, Brentford. The Reds minus two fifty. The Bees traveling at six to one. Uh, the draw is four to one. I I think it's just I'm I'm obviously going to be betting Brentford here. Uh, Bj, this is mm-hmm. a team that a they're really good. B 
be there really good in these spots when they're punching up. But you look, if you look at their their underlying numbers, their form is also red hot, right? 3-0 three, three against Burnley, 2-0 against Chelsea, and then uh, a 3-2 uh, kind of white-knuckle win against West Ham uh, to get them to four wins on the season. But they're sixth in the Premier League in expected goal differential per 90. They're creating chances. Defense is a little worrying. Uh, you know, it's middle of the table uh, and going up against this Liverpool attack that creates scoring chances for fun. But they've given them problems before. So I actually think that this is a fine spot to back the bees. It is. And Brentford is one of the few teams outside of the big six that can give Liverpool effectively problems because of how good they are in transition. So I think the, you know, the Chelsea Brentford match from a few weeks ago is not a perfect uh, comparison, but a pretty good one on what Brentford does. You know, Chelsea for the first half and up until when Brentford scored, wasn't really creating a lot of big chances. It was just a lot of shots from distance, Brentford blocking shots over and over again. And then Brentford, who didn't really attack for most of the first half, got free a couple times down the wings. One cross goes in. Chelsea miscommunicates on the back post. Pinnock puts it in. And that's kind of all she wrote for the rest of the match. Liverpool is still not good in transition defense. It's still a problem. And especially in this match, with the midfield that they're going to have out there, Brentford should be able to take big-time advantage in those transition opportunities because Curtis Jones and Alexis McAllister are both going to miss this match. It looks like Gravenberg is doubtful and Thiago is still out. So you're going to have some type of makeshift uh, midfield with it might be with Taro Endo as the ball-stopping midfielder. Obviously, Soboslai will be in there and maybe Cody Gakpo, but it's still not a lot of great ball winning in the middle of the pitch. And the biggest thing of why Liverpool is bad in transition defense, especially against these teams like Brentford is because when they invert Trent Alexander Arnold into the middle of the pitch, well, once they lose the ball, he's not a great defender in transition. So there's not only space out in wide areas where Konate and whoever is playing on the left this, at this point, it'll probably be Joe Gomez or Samikas will be my guess. They've been cooked in those type of scenarios. And it leaves a lot of open space for teams that can get forward and play down the middle. So Brentford, who has obviously Wisa and Mbwema, who are very, very good in those transition opportunities in 1v1 situations, can give Liverpool a ton of problems. And Brentford also should have really good advantages on set pieces here. They haven't scored many this season. They've only scored twice, but they have created 6.1 expected goals off of set pieces. That is by far and away the most in the Premier League. So they're a little overdue to score there. Liverpool in the bottom half of the Premier League in defending set pieces. So... Just another really, really good opportunity here for Brentford, who, you know, if you look back to their last match against Liverpool, the one at Anfield, I know they only created 0.2 XG, but there was a couple very, very close VAR situations where Brentford, I remember, scored one, but they were like a toenail off because of Liverpool was playing their high line. So Brentford should be able to exploit that. They're they're still doing an outstanding job closing off the middle of the pitch in their 5-3-2. So uh, it's going to have to be a lot of, Salah and, and whether it's Diaz or Jota, whoever's playing out on the wings of trying to create those chances from out wide and in and Brentford's really good at defending their penalty area. So uh, Brentford plus one and a half minus half, minus one fifteen. That's uh, just a classic Brentford spot. 
our friend Stucky at Big Bets on Campus does the the bit about service academies catching two touchdowns or more and how they win yeah. 60 plus percent of the time. And this, this, this is kind of the thing with Brentford, right? Like we know we're not always going to win. Nothing's always going to win, but way more often than not, when we back them against these big teams, they come through for us and the market is pretty undervaluing them. And if you look at it, like, yeah, if you just looked at straight XG difference per 90 in 11 on 11, this season, Liverpool uh, non-penalty is the best in the league, edging out Newcastle and City by like the slimmest of margins, plus one point two five per ninety. While Brentford plus 0.55 per ninety, so they're an excellent team and they're catching a goal and a half here. So I, I think it's too high. Liverpool probably wins, better team at home. But even when Liverpool exploits teams, they've still managed to find ways to get in transition against, especially like Forest. If you look back and watch how they beat Forest. Forest sat very deep, and they still got beaten transition. I don't no think Brentford is going to give them any no. any opportunities. They're more disciplined than Forest, so uh, yeah, I, I like the bees, of course, as always. The bees and the trees, hey, just the two teams I bet every the week. The bees right and now. the trees, baby. Uh, the bees, the, the trees, tree. the toffees. That's uh, those are Anthony's <laughs> the, the, the holy triumvirate. For it. And, and the and the not Spurs or Arsenal, yeah. uh, West Ham. And the trees, Nottingham Forest, uh, Hammers, odds on at home at minus one eighteen. Forest traveling at plus three twenty at the moment, and the draw here is plus two sixty. Uh, West Ham coming off of that disappointing loss to Brentford, uh, in which they blew a lead. Forest coming off of a a big win uh, that against Villa, we were on them, well deserved. Forest is climbing. Look out. Uh, but, yeah, I think that this is a, another good opportunity to, to bet this team against a, a West Ham side that is just having oodles of trouble right now uh, defensively, which is not what you'd expect out of uh, a David Moyes side, but the only team that have allowed more expected goals than uh, the Hammers on the year, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, and Luton Town. And that's translated to... Uh, Actual go actual goals against two there, six from the bottom and tied with Brighton at twenty goals allowed. So, I think this is uh your trees, Anthony, your your boy Steve Cooper. You've been telling us this whole time, great manager. Finally, BJ and I are seeing yeah, the light. Never doubted him. Never doubted him. Yeah, I just think this is the perfect like. What the hell is West Ham gonna do? They keep starting Antonio. We talked about this last week. They're not. He's not getting enough shots. It was actually really hilarious because they would have had a tap in to go up three one, and Antonio took the shot from his teammate and made a harder chance out of it and missed. Um, but you know, uh, Kudis is real though. That's really impressive, yeah. and I'm excited to watch him. And he was a live wire player and and somebody who's very dangerous. So certainly has to be considered uh, with Bowen and Kudis. You know, can they make up for Antonio? Maybe, but they will get Pakita back. But this is such a brutal spot. I mean, they are playing two matches every week. They don't have the squad depth to do it. And the trees, you know, they get Taiwo in there, and he looks lively early. The midfield was really good at just sitting there and daring Villa to break them down, and they couldn't. And, you know, we talk about Forrest, 20th in pass per defensive action, 20th in box entry, or final third entries allowed. West Ham doesn't want the ball. They're not good with the ball, and they're not very good at breaking down teams who give them the ball. So this is the kind of matchup where I worry about about West Ham because they are one of the few teams um, 
who look extremely vulnerable in transition. I mean, Brentford had odd number breaks every time they wanted. There was no ball stopping at all. So I think Forrest gets the same recipe that Brentford did. Do I think Forrest is as good as Brentford? No, but uh, now I get a dog price. I get to catch a half a goal uh, instead of laying it with the bees last week. So give me the trees plus a half. I know how bad their road numbers are. It's the only thing that's kind of scary here. Mm-hmm. There you are plus or minus 0.93 per 90 away from home. And, you know, we talked about last year, like it was pretty ugly there too. But again, just this Hammers team and the way they profile being so bad in possession uh, and and so bad at tilting the field, you know, like Forrest can probably just play their way to an even game here. And unless bounces go against them, they're probably going to get a result. I mean, here's the thing is there has been a couple instances this season where West Ham has played as the team that's going to control more possession and try to break down a low block. It happened against Luton Town. They created one expected goal. It happened against Freiburg in the Europa League. They created one expected goal. It happened against Everton a few weeks ago. They held 64% possession. They created 0.7 expected goals. So I agree with Anthony. What is West Ham going to do? Are they really going to break down this effective low block and stop Forest going forward and transition effectively? No, they're not going to. So they also have a home match against Olympiacos in the Europa League on Thursday. So they're going to be a little bit gassed here, especially going into international breaks. So I don't know who's laying minus 125 with West Ham. So uh, yeah, Nottingham Forest plus a half, plus 105. I agree with Anthony. All right, that wraps up the Premier League. We'll revisit them at the end of the show uh, with our best bets. Now onto the Bundesliga. Uh, quick anecdote. I was at the bank uh, the other day and I heard some guy talking to the teller about Heidenheim and and, and mm, Stuttgart. They're yeah. Uh, they're so I, they're the worst defense in I, Europe. They're so I fun. couldn't I couldn't like get the context of the conversation, but I heard him say both. He had a pretty thick German accent. So, uh, by the way, I think Michael the highest total I've ever seen in one of these top five leagues this weekend. Bayern and Heidenheim is four and a half. That's the highest I've ever seen. Like it's pretty, it's pretty close to being straight too. So that that Bayern fraud stole another result today. They, they did. did. Did not cover. We'll get them. We'll cover. get them in the in the final with with Galatasaray. Um, <laughs> what do you guys have for the Bundesliga? Yeah, you can go first, Anthony. Stuttgart, pick them at home minus one ten against Borussia Dortmund. Uh. Where do I say? Where I mean, who's the better team? Because I will posit that Stuttgart is the better team, and they're a pick'em at home. Because we now have a quarter of the German season played, uh, more than a quarter, ten of the thirty-four matches. Uh, and Stuttgart's expected goal differential is plus one point two two per ninety. And I know they've lost the last two matches, and I know that it conveniently fits in the narrative because Jirasi was out, and Jirasi has scored fourteen goals. In the first eight matches, he was scoring at a, a god mode rate. But in the two matches without him, they created 3.6 XG against Hoffenheim at home and then went to BJ's boys, Heidenheim, and created 2.6, which actually isn't that impressive because uh, Heidenheim is conceding 2.5 per match. I know. But either way, the market has given them a huge downgrade because Jirasi's out. And look, I get it. Like, he's very good. And, and I joked that he was the best striker in the world two weeks ago. And the first month and a half he was but like this attack is is still cooking it doesn't matter whether he's there or not the system underlying system is really impressive the the box entry data is better than Dortmund's 
Dortmund's transition defense is still a nightmare. I know Newcastle didn't do shit against them, but like they went to the yellow wall with they started like pretty much bums. Like it was a it was a really bad attacking group from Newcastle that went to to Dortmund uh, in that match. So I, I just really don't buy it. And I think that this defense still stinks. I mean, you look at like their numbers this season, 2.4 to PSG, 1.6 to Milan, 1.1 to Newcastle, 3.2 to Bayern, 2 to Frankfurt. Like where they, they just haven't been good defensively. And look, I got suckered in last weekend and bet them at home, thought they'd give a good showing. They didn't. But like BJ talked about this on the Champions League show, like the, the hole is very obvious where it is. It's just, they don't have any ball winning. Emre Chan is still hurt. And so I think Dortmund should be a dog. So yeah, Stuttgart, love them at home here. Minus 110, pick them. Yeah, I like uh, Cologne on the road. Pick them plus 120 against Bochum. I don't see why Bochum should be a home favorite here. I mean, Cologne, if we go back to last season and we just take the priors coming into here, Cologne was around an even expected goal differential. They underperformed quite drastically. While Bochum was around a minus 0.7 XG differential per 90 minutes. That's a pretty decent gap between these two clubs. Again, we've played about a quarter of the season, and Bochum is still sitting at a minus... They're now at minus 0.85 XG differential per 90 minutes. So they have not improved. They're not any better. Their defense is still conceding chance after chance after chance. The process numbers for Cologne are still there. They're just... They just can't put anything in the back of the net, and that's why they're in last place. First and final third of box entry conversion rate offensively, so they're getting good transitional opportunities and getting the ball into the box. They're cr- they're crossing at a top five rate. They're top seven in expected threat, top six in shots. Like this offense is still very very good. Again, they just can't put the ball in the back of the net for whatever reason. So Cologne pick them plus one twenty. Projected them pretty close to a pick them here against Bochum, and um, and also the Leverkusen. Union Berlin line is is quite crazy, uh, yeah. to say the least. Um, I've done a pretty good job this season of just avoiding Leverkusen train because they are just trucking everybody right now. Uh, probably the best form of anybody in Europe. But the Union Berlin defense has drastically underperformed. They've in the Bundesliga they have conceded about nine, nineteen goals, have about thirteen expected. So I am projecting a little bit of value on the under. Leverkusen has ran incredibly hot offensively. Could see some regression in that. Um, but again, I don't know if I want to stand in front of the train this week. That gets a two. I will be betting Union Berlin. It's one, one and three quarters right now. It's crazy. Uh, I make it under one and a half. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll go to La Liga next. Um, I, I do apologize if there were some technical difficulties. The, the power went out in my house for about. A minute there, lights flickered, internet out, but should be good now. Hopefully, we can get through the rest of this episode. Uh, PJ, Las Palmas plus there a half. Are. There they are. Shout out, what is it? Humble country lawyer. Shout him out. Shout P-O-P-O. him out here. Um, P.O.P.O. Las Palmas plus a half against Osasuna. Uh, I think we need to talk about Las Palmas really quick because. They are holding, on average, 57.9% possession in the La Liga this season. That is more than Real Madrid. Now, to be fair, they're doing nothing with it. <laughs> That's Because they are dead last in expected goals. They've created literally nothing. It's all just been off of penalties. But they are an outstanding defensive team, and they're a very, very good high-pressing team. They love to counter-press, and they're really effective in doing so. They've created, they have the most shots off of forced high turnovers. They're only allowing 0.97 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes. And this Osasuna offense 
has done literally nothing this season. They're bottom three in expected goals. Uh, they're not very, very good in transition. You know, they're they're starting to kind of become this uh, possession dominant team who likes to counter press and press high as well. But the, one of the reasons why Las Palmas is holding a lot of possession is because they are very good at playing through pressure. So uh, if Osuna decides to press them high quite a bit, Las Palmas should be able to play through them. But really, should be a pretty big stalemate here, and one maybe you could play a, a zero zero draw. But again really no reason why Osasuna should be a uh, odds-on favorite here at home against a really good Las Palmas defense. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a fun situation with Las Palmas. It Canary, is. And, team from and, the Canary Islands, like exactly. traveling. We have like travel to the Canary Islands too much this year, Michael. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get into it a little bit more. We, we, love, to, we love to talk about Majorca, going to the island yeah. of Majorca. How about traveling uh, you know, to, to basically... Southern uh, Morocco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Um, Anthony, anything in La Liga? I mean, my biggest value on the board. Yep, same, Friday. Same, same team as always. Yep, Just, I'll be on them too. They're catching a goal at Bilbao. It's crazy. I make it point six one, And I also like the first half team total over, plus 200. I don't even want to say their name. It, you know the saddest part? You know, we talk a lot about CLV. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a gambler, I look to obtain this CLV. And the so initials of... I go to cash it in with the merchant every weekend uh, when yeah. I lose, but he never he never cashes it in for some reason. But uh, <laughs> the initials of this beautiful team are CLV, <laughs> <laughs> and and last week you know we bet them pick a minus one ten against Sevilla at home, and they close uh, like minus one forty five. They dominate the first hour and a half hour, fifteen minutes. And then they get a red card, and Nasiri scores. And then I'm like, all right, push, whatever. And then they give me that glimmer of hope. They get a VAR call. They get a, a penalty in the 95th minute when the guy's arm clearly gets dragged down. I'm like, yes. They'll probably miss the pen, but for right now, I'm going to dream about them winning this match. VAR says, no, sorry, Celta Vigo's playing. They don't get the penalty. Again, I mean, we've talked about this a couple times now. Just add it to the list. I mean, they are getting, like, historically screwed. By the officials, uh, like VAR calls, reds, uh, overturns, disallows everything you could possibly have go wrong for them. It's gone wrong, and yet the underlying process is so damn good. Over two and a quarter xG against Sevilla, they're an above-average attacking team. I love everything about this Vigo team. I think they're really trending up. I think the market is so wrong on them, and they're going to pay eventually once they start getting these goddamn VAR calls to go their way. Uh, and you know what? Maybe the refs are they'll know and they'll they'll feel bad. They'll give them one. So Vigo team total over a half first half plus Vigo. Vigo Vigo uh, plus one minus one eighteen. I love it. I mean, I gotta look at the schedule to see how many times I'm gonna bet this team in the next month, but uh, could be fun. And you guys are on the same size side in uh, Syria. Ah, the derby shouldn't be a shocking one. It's uh, Jose Mourinho versus Mauricio Sarri. Uh, Roma pick him, even money. <laughs> BJ's gone from yeah. Not look being at able him to pronounce them to breaking into accents. He's, uh, he's becoming a, he's, uh, the beautiful <laughs> Iowa Paisan. Yeah, it's it's his. You know what? You might as well keep firing from behind look, the arc, you, Anthony. You don't. You don't. No, just, but you. you don't, this is you this is gross. Shy this away is, from from shooting. You don't. You're as a human being. You are intended to grow and to change. And yeah, this is 
I'm this trying. is BJ. This is BJ I'm growing. Trying. He's growing, and he's he. And next thing you know, he's he's going to be coming here and just doing this entire section in in, in Italian. I was going to yes. say one day we should learn German, Italian, Spanish, French, and do that part yes. of the show in that language. To be to be fair to the listeners out there, um, I at one point did speak Spanish, so I do know that language. You know, at least like the pronunciations, at least somewhat well. Um, I have never spoken French or Italian or German, so that is so where you didn't hear Olivier Giroud uh, say dommage. Olivier Giroud uh, explained to Jamie Carragher how to say his name is Olivier Giroud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, anyways, yeah, you guys uh, are on, you guys are on Roma. I mean, this we, is pretty simple. I mean, yeah, you don't need to go into. We don't this need to one. go into too much, but what I will say is, in this match last season, the second one, Roma Pain. got a red card in the thirty-second minute. And Lazio was only able to create 0.6 xG. I know a lot. You'll you'll go to the results. You'll say, "Hey, Lazio won both meetings last year." Uh, even their match against Feyenoord, they were not good. Like I thought, Feyenoord was the way better team in that match. And they, what happened is Lazio got one transition opportunity off a mistake from Feyenoord, and they scored it. And congrats to Shiro Mobley. But outside of that, they didn't really do anything. So uh, yeah, trying to break down Jose Mourinho's low block, uh, very very difficult thing to do. And I understand Rome's had some. You know some injuries to deal with this season, but nobody nobody walks into Jose's house and and breaks That's right. Down. That's right. Uh, uh, legal only you, BJ. Yeah, uh, I like Nice plus one thirty on the road Friday afternoon against Montpellier. Uh, Francesco Farioli, outstanding man, young manager at Nice right now. They have conceded four goals all season. That's awesome. That's incredibly impressive. Only only 8.3 XG allowed. And how they're doing it is incredibly impressive because of how flexible they are with their tactics. They can be a very, very direct team when they face teams like PSG. They're very, very good with their pressing triggers and trying to create traps and, and get people moving forward. And they're facing a Montpellier team that, quite frankly, has been overperforming for a really long time. And when you they have faced the good competition in France... When they faced Lille, they only created 0.3 XG. When they faced PSG the last Friday, they only created half an expected goal. So I don't see how they're going to score here against Nice, and Nice has been a very good attack. So uh, project Nice at minus 111, so I like the price of them at plus 130. Okay, uh, time for our underdog parlay. It's going to come out at a, at a big number, like I said, 155 to 1. Uh, Anthony, you can go first. Nottingham Forest. I was originally going to do Chelsea, and then I changed course. Uh, I think the trees match up really well here with West Ham. I think West Ham struggles to break down, uh, you know, teams that are going to sit off and be very passive. And I think given the decline in their attacking numbers, combined with just generally awful defensive numbers, uh, West Ham is live to get picked off again as the matches keep piling up. So with that adjustment, it means that the parlay comes out at 137 at one. Uh, that's what that's what happens when Anthony makes me do math on on the fly. Uh, I like Luton Town. What's the opposite of a heat check? Like in basketball, they say heat check, like when the guy's like on fire. Yeah, like what? What is it? Uh, I, I don't is know. there one? I, that's what I'm doing with United. I just want. I should learn the name because I'm I'm quite bad at basketball. Yeah. Well, whatever whatever the opposite of a heat check is, that's what I'm trying to pull off here with Manchester United, and uh, they could be uh, a little bit of a dead man walking going into this home match against Luton, and what will be a very toxic atmosphere at the theater of dreams bj what about well, you michael i have a special treat for all the people who are watching on youtube and if you're not you should go watch the youtube right now because we're doing this underdog segment 
And this entire time, this whole podcast, I've had my dog <laughs> in my lap this entire time. So I like Real Betis plus 265 in the Seville Derby against Sevilla. It's a fantastic matchup for them, a team that has got a lot more defensive solidity now uh, over the last few years, a team that has overperformed, you know, but they're facing a Sevilla team that is terrible in transition defense. Can't really stop anything right now. Put up a terrible performance against Arsenal. So I like Real Betis in the Seville Derby plus 265. If, if Betis wins, I think all three of us need to bring our dogs onto the dog yeah. show segment for the rest of the time. And that's why you have to be watching YouTube of our podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, Elvis is 80 pounds. It <laughs> mm. would be tough. We'll figure it out. Um, he has a blue nose, so just like me, and just like my favorite bet, Everton. Uh, I like the Toffees at plus 200 on the road uh, against Crystal Palace. Trying to break the schneid here. Usually when one of Anthony or BJ pick Everton as an underdog or uh, their best bet, they win. And when I do it, it comes out as a homer bias loser. Uh, but I'm going to try to break the schneid here. I think that uh, Palace as a favorite, just vulnerable. Anthony said it. Earlier, like I think all three of us power rate uh, or think highly higher of Everton than than Crystal Palace now at this point, uh, and they they could like this is a game that you guys were talking about being low event. I think Everton's totally fine in that because they're they have clinical finishers uh, in their lineup now that they're healthy. So uh, give me the Toffees at two to one, BJ. Yeah, I like Arsenal, Burnley, both teams to score no at minus one fifty. I don't know how. Burnley is going to score in this match. They're averaging under 0.9 non-penalty expected goals this season. And their style of play is not inducive to what how good Arsenal has been defensively. The teams that have given Arsenal problems are teams that can play in transition, who can really exploit Arsenal and honestly turn them over high as well. Burnley hasn't been good at forcing high turnovers, even though they are pressing with the front four. And they're not a transition-based team. They're a team that wants to build out of the back and progress the ball that way. Playing against an Arsenal team that out of possession is one of the best teams in the world at pressing you and disrupting your build-up play, it's a terrible matchup for Burnley. But Arsenal, going to be pretty limited in their attack. No Miguel Odegaard, no Gabriel Jesus, not very many options. And if Burnley decides to play a little bit more passive, Arsenal could struggle. So uh, projected both teams score no at minus 184, so I like the price at minus 150. I think we're becoming a Steve Cooper podcast, slowly but surely. So uh, I used him as my underdog. I think I used him as my underdog and my best bet last week. Or no, my underdog was Dortmund. So using him as my best bet last week, and I'm doing it again. Nottingham Forest plus a half at West Ham. Uh, relative to the market, I think West Ham is now my biggest differentiator in team strength, uh, along with United, of course. But uh, I, I'm just much lower than the market on this West Ham team, and I think uh, their defensive back line continues to get exposed. Okay, well, that'll do it for Wonder Goal uh, this week and for a couple weeks as we head into uh, the final international break before things get really busy with all the fe- festive fixtures. Uh, So you'll be hearing a lot from us uh, as we get back. Um, But until then, best of luck with all your bets. And hopefully we will cash some uh, big tickets going into the break. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.